Hello, I'm Whitney Sewell with LifeBridge Capital, uh, owner and operator of LifeBridge Capital. If you want to learn about multifamily real estate investing, then you need to listen to my good friend Sam Newell's podcast, Recession Proof Real Estate Investing. Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm Sam Newell, your host, and it is my goal to educate you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. I interview the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they have learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become my goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. Well, thanks for being on. I really appreciate you scheduling the time. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad I can do it. How's the podcast going? You know, it's, it's good. I think, I guess we'll see. I haven't listened to myself yet and uh, it launches in about two weeks. So we'll see. I'm a little bit nervous on my, my interviewing skills, but I've had some good people on like you and I think that'll save me. Yeah. I would say, don't listen to yourself. <laughs> I, you know, anyway, no, I mean, it's just, yeah, you're, you're only going to get better by doing it. And so, yeah, I would almost say like, don't listen to yourself. Just keep rolling. <laughs> keep doing it. Right. Yeah. Well, how has yours been going? I mean, you, you do it daily and, and I feel like you've had a ton of just awesome guests on the show. We have, and, and I've done a bunch of interviews today. Um, that's what I've been doing all day today is just back-to-back interviews. And, and so it is, it's going good. I mean, it has, I get questions so many times every week about, you know, has it been worth it? Is it, you know, cause so many people are, you know, are looking to start a podcast, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, I definitely wouldn't be where, I, where I'm at if it wasn't for the podcast. Awesome. So, so I'm kind of curious, what benefits have you seen and, and what's probably the stuff, things that have made it worthwhile? So uh, I get that question. That's next. And, uh, and I would, I, you and I would not be having this conversation right now if I, if I hadn't started my podcast. So, right. you know, I wouldn't have been in Rod's group and, and, you know, would have never met you. And, and that's the, I mean, that's the answer that I can, for everybody I'm talking to, yeah. not everybody. So many people, you know, I can say, I wouldn't know you. You would not know who I am if it wasn't for the podcast, you know, so. But networking component alone is, I mean, uh, you know, is hands down probably the biggest benefit. But but outside of that, you know, obviously you're, you're just, you're able to now add value and create tons of content and, and, you know, to so many people in the business. And so, yeah, and just bringing credibility to yourself. I mean, it's, there's so many values. Right. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. Well, we're recording and I usually just kind of like to talk to you about, you know, start casually. I I don't know how you start. Well, I guess I've heard your podcast, but, you know, tell me a little bit about what you got going on and, and other than a daily podcast for syndication, but talk about that too a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't guess I realized this was part of the show, but so yeah, lots going on, lots happening with LifeBridge Capital and, and, you know, obviously with the podcast and, and so my, personally, my wife and I just uh, completed our third adoption. So we just brought our daughter home. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's obviously, it's been a lo- very long roller coaster. Adoption process is just, it is a roller coaster, but very worthwhile. It's what I tell everybody. I don't sugarcoat it, but it's very worthwhile. And so, well, congrats, uh, man. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. And then, you know, we, we closed on 180 units about, or about eight weeks ago now. And, and we are, I'm actually, you know, our, we're touring properties all the time or every week now, but I'm going somewhere. I don't know how many weekends over the next 
two months, uh, just different conferences and going to different markets and, you know, and looking at, you know, touring properties and things like that. So a lot's happening, you know, and we're just meeting lots of investors and having some great calls. I, I told somebody else this past couple of weeks have probably been my most productive yet as far as just some really quality investor calls, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, or, and I'll just say a different type of investor, you know, than, uh, or just, you know, higher net worth individuals. And, and it's just, you know, so that's been really good. And, and, uh, but it's just being consistent. You know, I did a I recorded, you know, almost a dozen shows today myself. And, and, uh, and so wow. it's just, yeah, it's being consistent and just keep pushing. Awesome, man. Well, so yeah, congrats again on the, the adoption. My older brother's adopted by the way. Awesome. And that's just, that's really neat. There's a lot of babies that are kids that need a good place to live. So that's awesome. I feel like I adopted someone. I, I served a LDS mission in my, when I was night for my church, when I was 19 till I was 21 and down in Peru. And, you know, you, you make a lot of friends and family, you know, kind of feel like they're part of the family after a while. And I had a kid come live with us for a few years here in Utah. It was kind of funny though, cause he called me up. He said, Hey Sam, how's it going? And I said, Oscar, you know, I haven't heard from you in seven, eight years. How you doing? He said, oh, I'm coming to, coming to the United States. And, you know, I was all excited for him. And then I said, oh, well, where are you going to come now that you have a visa to the U.S.? He said, oh, I think I'm going to come to Utah. And I said, oh, Oscar, that's amazing. That's where I live. And he said, I know. Can I live with you? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, that's why you're calling. <laughs> um, but, you know, we sponsored him to come up here and, and, you know, he's only, he's 26 years old, but I seriously felt like his dad for the whole time he lived here. We helped him, you know, paid for him to get into school, paid for him to go to the dentist for the first time, bought him clothing, bought him everything. And I, I was thinking about it the other day and I'm like, man, I'm really lucky. I feel, feel like I kind of had a teenager before I've actually had teenagers. And, you know, we had to talk to him about staying out late with his friends, not getting his homework done, not getting good grades. And uh, it's a total, total sidetrack story, but you know, it's, it's uh, more power to you for adopting because that's, that's so cool that, you know, you can really change those people's lives and those kids' lives from where they probably would have been otherwise. Definitely a big change for them. But I, I, I tell everybody that we're the blessed ones or we're the, you know, my wife and I are so fortunate to have them in our family. I mean, we're, yeah. we're so blessed. Well, and, and that's kind of what, why I brought that up is, you know, we spent a lot of time and money on this kid and he moved out and, but uh, we were really blessed as well. We, we felt a lot of joy for helping this kid out and he's a great guy, met a girl, might get married now, but it was so uh, different for us, but also really rewarding helping this, this guy out and learning a lot about ourselves and, and our marriage and, and being kind of parents, even though he's a buddy, not a kid, but it was fun. Cool. So you just closed on 180 units and, you know, we're here to talk about real estate syndication, but before we talk about that, you know, when you were in high school, were you thinking about law enforcement, FBI, were you thinking about flying uh, fighter jets like I was, I was planning on going to the Air Force Academy. I also wanted to have a family, but tell me a little bit about what you wanted and what you saw yourself doing. You know, I would say in high school, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted you know, I, I didn't know. I wasn't uh, so grew up in a very small town, one stoplight. There's just not a whole lot happening, and and it's unfortunate that you know growing up there, like you, your eyes aren't open to like 
all the possibilities, you know, of, mm -hmm. of even entrepreneurship, really. I mean, very little, you know, it's like you're, you're really coached and, you know, you got to get a good education and you get that good job. But in the small town, a good job could mean being the barber or being, you know, like you don't have to go to college, but like, you know, have some, like, that's what most people see is like that, you know, that's what most people do. Right. And yeah. so, and so, you know, our, my eyes weren't open to, I haven't, I didn't see much at that time. You know, I didn't see much of the world. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so somehow, you know, the Lord really had other plans. Right. And so, you know, I thought I, you know, might make a plan of what I was going to do and, and different things. I didn't plan to go to college. I just didn't feel like that was for me. And, and so joined the military and that helped me to see a little bit of the world, you know, and helped me to open my eyes to this, like this bigger thing out there, you know? And, and so, you know, spent a year in Iraq, come home. And then it was like, wow. what, what, you know, what am I qualified to do? You know? And so, you know, so, but a mil from being military, I was, you know, a shoe in to be a, a police officer, you know? And so out of, you know, over a thousand applicants as a one of five that was hired with Kentucky state police. And, and, and so, you know, I thought, okay, you know, this is great. I really, uh, I love doing that. But, but I didn't see doing any of that in high school. You know, it was just like all these things that, that, you know, the Lord just had all these, these, this plan, these steps, right. That, that one thing mm -hmm. qualified me for the next thing. And, and, uh, but I didn't see any of that in high school. Got it. So kind of by default, you found your way and it sounds like the military kind of shaped you and, and how long were you in the military? I had six years active in the guard and two years of active duty. Got it. And, and sorry, what, what part of the military was that? Army. 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 National. Got it. Got it. So you're in Iraq with the army for, for a year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for your service, by the way. It seems like a lot of the really quality people I've been meeting and having on my podcast have all been in the military. You know, we've got quite a few of them in our group, actually. Mm. Oh, well, uh, you're welcome. I'm happy to have, to have served. Yeah. Well, so tell me about uh, real estate and syndication because you didn't go right into it. You've actually had a career in, in law enforcement for you know a number of years and and it sounds like you, you were interested in real estate, but you really kind of went full-time recently, right? So, you know, at that time, and I'll I kind of go in from uh, the story I just had. So, you know, went and came home from overseas and was trying to think, okay, what you know, what can I do? What am I qualified to do? I was trying to figure that out. And, you know, I thought, okay, you know, I always thought about being a police officer, but, you know, it wasn't just like extremely gung-ho, but I thought, no, you know, this is going to be good. So then I, I did become gung-ho, wanted to do it. And, I, and I, I enjoyed working the road with Kentucky State Police. I, I really enjoyed it. We had, you know, great camaraderie with some other guys that I worked with. And, and it was, I mean, it was a lot of fun times, a lot of high stress times as well, of course, but, but I enjoyed it until, you know, finally, I was, you know, realizing that, okay, you know, or actually, I got married, you know, right, and some things changed, right, and now it's not as fun than working every night, weekend, and holiday, you know, getting into just, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff that you're, you love doing when you first get hired as a police officer, right, you know, right. and then, but my wife and I just passed each other in the hallway the first whole year of marriage, and so it's like, okay, you know, I've got to, I've got to find something, uh, else I can do. Right. And initially it right. was to try to supplement my income because it was so low, you know, as a police officer and there was no room for advancement. And, but then mm -hmm. also I was like, okay, this is not what's best long-term for our family. And so in came real estate and quickly, you know, tried to educate myself. I, I say now I didn't educate myself near enough, but you know, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this, you know, and, and jumped mm -hmm. in and bought uh, a couple triplexes. I mean, 
actually really quick and, and learned a lot the hard way. So we start, you know, at, at this syndication thing, I, I'd never, never even dreamed of being able to do what we're doing now. You know, I mean, right. back then, never, if you'd asked me, Whitney, what about buying that apartment complex? Like my mind wasn't there. I, I'd never seen the, the possibility of doing that. And, you know, I would have said, oh, maybe 20 years from now, or I don't know who that guy is that can buy that, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I was just thinking that I had to stick with these small multifamilies or single family. And so, and that's what, so that's what we started with. Awesome. So it started with a couple of triplexes and do you have any war stories or horror stories from those triplexes or any other real estate deals you've done? You know, those, I would say that like those, those triplexes, that first property that we purchased, you know, we learned the most from probably, you know, like in a condensed period, of course uh-huh. I was self-managing, but so, I, you know, I was managing them while also, you know, as I was a police officer, but it, it was really the, the time loss with my, or mentally as well, with my new bride, that was the worst part, you know, yeah. and I didn't do enough due diligence, you know, so I didn't, I, while I had some, you know, one big thing that I, I learned was, you know, have somebody that specializes in HVAC come and look at the HVAC stuff. Okay. You know, like, like at the time, I didn't know any better, but I hired, I hired yeah. somebody that was a professional you know, inspector, he came and he looked in every nook and cranny and attic and all these things. And I followed him around trying to learn myself. But, you know, I just assumed that he knew about the HVAC stuff or other things. You know, I just assumed that like, if there's something that I need to know, he's going to tell me. And, and I mean, because he has a big reputable name company. And, you know, I don't feel like that's what I received, you know, later on down the road. right? Right. So then things came up that it's like, well, you know, I should have known this or shouldn't he have told me or, you know, but ultimately I should have had a professional that specializes in HVAC or, or even just understanding running numbers and things like that. I didn't network enough at at that time. It was back in 09, even, even when it ever deal should have been good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it wasn't, it wasn't a great deal. You know, we got taken advantage of and, and thankfully we didn't lose any money, but, but we learned a lot. It was poor due diligence and then also just self-managing, you know, was another mistake because it just, you know, took me away from being able to focus on growing the business or even focus on spending time with family or any of those things. And so it was a big stressor, but we learned a lot and and we've moved on to do bigger and better things now. So That's awesome. You know, I, I love when we learn and it doesn't cost us money because there's a lot of learning experience that do cost you money. Rod Cleef calls them his uh, seminars. Right. You know, um, I just call them painful learning experiences where you lose money and uh, we've all had those, I think, but that's great that you're able to come out and, and maybe you had some brain damage and, and some stress you got taken <laughs> advantage of, but, uh, but it sounds like you came out on top. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, considering the learning from that and then the, that we didn't just quit, you know, we, we came out ahead. Awesome. Well, you know, I have an interesting question for you. You and I started similar time. I bought my first uh, flip in 2010 took advantage of that crazy low market where every deal was kind of crazy good. But Grant Cardone says you should never, ever, ever buy anything under 16 doors. And I disagree with them, but I'm kind of curious to hear what your thoughts are. Uh, of the size of property and should you buy yeah. something small? Yeah. So, you know, I did, I mean, I bought smaller multis and bought up to a 15 unit, which we still have and, but nothing else. We don't have anything else other than larger, the syndicated deals now. But so personally, I I never plan to buy anything less than a hundred units. You know, if there's a, unless it means, so here, here's one exception uh, that I can think of at the moment. I won't say there, there'll never be other exceptions and I, and I won't say I'll never buy a four unit because you know, there's, 
always that possibility for some reason. However, sure. so, you know, when getting into a new market, sometimes you have to, you might have to like to buy a smaller property or, you know, something like that to kind of, to show brokers are serious and things like that. It still has to meet, you know, the criteria and it still has to be a good deal. All those things provide, you know, the returns that your investors are looking for, all that, of course. However, you know, there, there's more competition sometimes when you're, you know, 100 plus or 150 plus, you know, for those properties. And so sometimes to get into a market, you may have to buy a property that's 65 units, you know, yeah. and that's, you know, and that's, that's something that I would be open to at that time. But as far as a, you know, a dozen units or 15 units or a duplex anymore, that's not my plan or my focus anymore. And, and I say the, uh, majority of the time, it doesn't take that much more work to do the due diligence and the legwork, yep. the underwriting, all those things for the hundred units as it does the 50. And, you know, you're going to, you're going to make more money, honestly, on the hundred unit than you are the 50, you know, yep. if they're the, let's say if they're the same deal, the same location, all that stuff, you know, right. Um, but, and so that's, that's why, you know, now that we can go a lot larger and my eyes have been open to these possibilities, you know, and, and we're pushing forward, uh, I would, I feel like I would be, there would be a lot of opportunity loss if I'm spending my time on the four, on another fourplex or something like that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's what Grant Cardone and, and to be honest, most experienced, sophisticated investors like you say is, well, yeah, you mean you can buy the smaller deals, but why would you, if it's really not that much more work and time to do the due diligence on the larger items and on the larger properties and then you get economies of scale, you get a lower risk profile with those properties typically because of economies of scale. You get a non-recourse loan where your credit isn't at stake, you know, if the property goes down and hopefully that doesn't ever happen. And, you know, there, there's a number of other, other things. But what I've noticed is a lot of people are just very intimidated by the size, by the price tag, the size and the down payment because they say, well, I don't. I don't have 500,000. I don't have a million, $5 million for the down payment. So why would I ever consider that? Well, I think the answer is, and, and I, I would love to know what you think. I think you form strategic partnerships and you maybe stay away from the smaller deals because you can partner with someone and, and get just as good or better returns with a lot less risk. Less risk. And, and one thing I would add there is like, you know, having a professional management team, you know, even mm -hmm. if it's, even if you develop your own management company, and I know a few guys that have done that and have done it very well, but I mean, you know, more majority of the guys though in the industry are, are hiring that third party, but either way, there's a professional third party management team. So I'm no longer taking those tenant calls or, you know, taking, you know, my toilets overflowing or, you know, whatever it may be, the neighbor's dog is barking too much or like, I'm not taking any more of those calls. Right. Right. You know, it's a totally different business now. And so than, than it was back in 09 or 10, you know, it's totally different. And that's one thing that really drawed me to, to the syndication business is just the professional business. And we can grow, you know, we can grow a lot faster, but it's also, you know, I'm, I'm working with professionals and, and, you know, we're looking at professional reporting and like, it's like, we can atomize all this stuff and figure out what's works and what doesn't. And, and, you know, there's other people who are, doing the day-to-day -day stuff and I can focus over here where I need to focus and spend the time, my time more wise, wisely, you know? Uh, so anyway, right. yes. No, I think you're exactly right. And, and I think that's what Grant Cardone gets at is, you know, you can scale, you can scale faster, better, lower risk, have better returns. And, and so I agree and I disagree with them. I disagree with them because I think you have to start somewhere and 
if you want 100% control and if you want to do your own deals, then, then do your own deals. You know, I'm just bought two more townhomes and I own a triplex and two other townhomes and have sold a few other properties this year. Um, I'm selling most of those assets to go into syndication, but there's a few of the smaller assets I'll probably never sell because they're so hassle free. They're in an A plus location. So, so I think Grant has a really good point. And I think the point is you only have so much time if you can partner with someone, absolutely go big. And my point is, well, there's some people it may be right to start smaller and do a couple deals on your own, learn how to management. If you eventually want to be a syndicator and, and an, an asset manager, then maybe you do need to do a, a few smaller deals and, and have that brain damage and have that experience and, and know how it works. Yeah, it's not for everybody. I mean, the syndication business, but you know, I, like I was speaking at a, a local REI club the other night and somebody, you know, they, they all went around and introduced themselves and said what they have done recently. And somebody was like, I just closed on my first duplex and somebody else, I just did my first wholesale. And I was like, all right, you know, like good for you. Like this is, yeah. this is good. You know, like you're making ground, like you've done something to get to that first deal. Right. I mean, that's, it's yep. good stuff. You know, it's definitely not an issue that they didn't do a large apartment deal, you know. So, you know, I know plenty of successful people that have only done single family homes and even in a market that I would never invest in, you know, and they've, you know, they've been doing it for 30 years or longer and they're, they're very successful, but it's just not the path that, that I'm choosing. Right. No, I appreciate that. Well, well let's get back to you and, and your story. So you went from the army to mm -hmm. state police you decided you wanted to supplement your income, start investing. So you got into real estate, bought some triplexes. What, what happened next? Yeah. So I, I still had that income problem, right. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I was trying to, you know, find, we all want to like fix that as quick as possible. Right. It can't yeah. happen fast enough. And so I was introduced to a, a gentleman that had a, it was a federal and a uh, federal officer. And so, you know, in another position I didn't even know existed and he helped me through the entire hiring process. I bet I went federal. And so I left state police and got a federal position and uh, which was a big step up. You know, it's the most, like it's most police officers, not all, but most of them like dream of having the federal, you know, going federal. It's very difficult to get hired. And, and, and so, but it was good. It was a great job. That's the problem though. It was, you know, still a job. Right. And, but it, it was a really big blessing to our family. It was better pay, better hours, all those things, you know? And, and so, but it, it made us move to Virginia. And so we, we were, I grew up in Kentucky and, and then we moved to Virginia for this position. And even through that entire process, you know, it really helped uh, open my eyes to bigger things, right. You know, the outside of this, you know, where I grew up and all that and, and even other real estate. And so, you know, when we moved to Virginia, I kept buying and selling some small stuff and up to the 15 unit. And then it just kind of, it finally hit me that it was going to be very difficult to scale this. Like, I mean, this is going to take so much work, right? You know, if I'm managing, if I'm, you know, looking for another single family house or duplex, whatever it may be, like this is going to take a lot of transactions to get me where, where we want to be, you know, and then right. even, you know, am I going to be the one managing all this? That's still a lot of work, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, syndication business is a lot of work, but it's different, you know, very yeah. different. And so, and so I was introduced, I think through either a podcast or book, I can't remember exactly where, but you know, this real estate syndication and I, I'd never, I'd never heard of that before. And so that, that led me on the, the trail or the path to educating myself about the syndication business. And then it just, it just seemed obvious to me that that's, that's the route I needed to take. Yep. Awesome. So you took it and now you're closing on 108, 
180 unit deals. Yes. So yeah. And, and, you know, it wasn't, I mean, I would say to get to 180 units, it was faster than most people would, would think, you know? So, you know, if, if you'd have told me that a few years ago, I'm like, you know, like I said, it's just, I don't know when that will happen, you know, but yeah. when you understand a process of getting there and, and really you're just persistent and you're determined, got to have some determination, you know, uh, and, and I mean, you, you can make it happen. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, what, what's happened in the last couple of years. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, and, and a, would you say a large part of that is because of your podcast and your consistency there? So I would say it's because of uh, it just, well, I would say the Lord, number one and foremost, and, and then having a, an extremely supportive spouse. <laughs> I have to give her awesome. like majority of the credit by far. That's why I can, you know, do this for however many hours a day. And, and uh, anyway, so, but, and just having the drive really. And, and I go back to a story or I, I tell people when I was in boot camp, even, you know, most, most, most young guys and gals, you know, and you know, if you're, if you're in the military, join the military boot camp, a lot of times is like the first time that you've really been challenged sometimes, mm-hmm. especially physically and sometimes mentally as well, but especially physically. And, right. and, you know, that's their whole goal is to teach you what you can put your body through. And I, and I, and there's this time when we're right at the end of boot camp, you know, they march you out, you're carrying all your stuff in a backpack, you're carrying a weapon, you got your helmet on, you know, all this gear and they march you out 15 or 20 miles. They keep you awake for about three days thinking you're getting shot at, you know, just all kinds of running around, all kinds of madness. You know, you and your battle buddy are digging foxholes and, you know, pretending like you're trying to stay alive, right? While you're getting yelled all the time. And then, you know, but then after that third day, you got, you know, you haven't slept hardly at all. And now you got to turn around and march back, right? And and you just think this is just, I mean, is this ever going to end? You know, you've never done anything like this before. You've never pushed your body that way. And, but I remember marching back, you know, on the side of the road and I know they do this on purpose, but they have this Humvee go up the road in between. There's like a a line of you on both sides of the road and they have a Humvee go up the middle, just real slow, you know? And as he goes by in the back of that Humvee are the guys who have quit. Yeah. You know, they've said, I'm done. Like I can't, they've said, I can't do it, you know? And, you know, and, and I think it's a good tactic too. like all the drill sergeants when everybody else to see these guys quit you know? And so I made up my mind right there. I'm not quitting. I can do this. You know, I'm not quitting. And then, you know, from that to police academy, obviously to a year overseas, there's numerous things that have taught me, okay, you know, like this is not that bad, you know, I can do this. (laughs) And and so it's having that mindset. I think that's, that's been like, help me to get where I'm at and, and keep pushing. And, and really this, the Lord giving me faith to like, you know, he's helping me every step of the way and helping us to be successful. I love that. Don't jump in the, in that Humvee. (laughs) That's right. Don't quit. That's awesome, man. So, so just determination, but let's talk about your wife for a second, because, you know, I was trying to decide if I was going to work with this new partner of mine and he was trying to decide if you wanted to work with me. And, and he asked a great question. He said, Hey Sam, you know, I want to know, tell me about your wife. Is she supportive? And luckily I can say, yes, she's actually right now. I'm about ready to jump on a plane to Albuquerque she's moving us into one of our rentals tomorrow while our house is being built. So she's moving us on her own. I mean, she's getting movers, but I have a very supportive wife who sees the vision. And I'm very lucky because most of my friends and business partners I've had in the past don't have that at all. So tell me about that and how, how much of a blessing that is for you. 
Um, I can't speak highly enough and I'll have to tell her to listen to the show, right? But, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough and how important it is that your spouse is on board. And so I would not have been able to do this. So, you know, working full time, while yep. also, you know, also doing a daily podcast, I can't tell you, you know, how much work that is alone, much less, mm-hmm. you know, everything else that's going on, but, you know, working full time, doing a daily podcast, and then also, and that's, that's 30 interviews a month, you know, so that's, you know, wow. right? there's so much yeah. into that as you, as you're learning. I mean, there's so much into podcasts, so much work behind the scenes that you don't get to see you know, you don't know about when you're just listening to it in the gym. But then also we were doing deals. I'm also raising capital, you know, also all the marketing stuff and, and doing due diligence, all these things. And then, you know, we're, we're in our third adoption, you know, we've been through three adoption processes and all that's been happening, you know, a lot at the same time. And, and we've also moved twice in that period as well, which is a, another crazy, you know, things that to add to the mix. And so all that could not happen if she was not supportive. I mean, if you can imagine the stress on a spouse when you're working 80 hours a week and you're, you're moving next weekend and I mean, and you're in an adoption process and you know, the attorney's calling about the adoption and they need these documents and they need this much money. And you know, all these things that are happening, if she wasn't supportive, it it couldn't happen. And just like you, when I met my partner, we had those calls with our spouses as well. And, and, you know, it's, it's so important. I couldn't do it. She's running the whole house. People say, how do you do it? And I say, are you kidding? I'm running the business and she does everything else. (laughs) You know, she does. And and that's a, yeah, that's another reason I want more time. You know, I want to be able to spend more time with her and the kids and help her more as well. But, but yes, if you're, you got to convince your spouse and they've got, and I appreciate you saying, saying also seeing the vision. Yeah. And so our big why is helping families fund the adoption process, you know, that are wanting to adopt children and can't afford it. And, you know, it's 40 to 60 grand a lot of times to adopt a child and most families mm-hmm. can't afford it. So she's passionate about adoption as well. And she understands that like this business is going to help us to help many families adopt. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, that, so she does play a big role in this, even though she's not big into real estate, if that makes, uh, makes any sense. So I couldn't, I couldn't um, say enough about her and her support and, and how important it is. Wow, that's awesome. So you guys want to, part of your why, to help others adopt just like you have. And it is expensive. And it's, it's also, I mean, I've watched my friend's parents do it. I've had friends do it. And it, it's a lot of back and forth. And I just had a friend the week they were supposed to go pick up the baby, the mom decided to keep it. And, and that was heart wrenching and, and very, you know, saddening for them. So I know it's a a crazy process. So good for you guys. Thank you. You know, and, and, you know, I think the why is, is huge. You know, you can make a lot of money in real estate. If you're just trying to make money though, that's probably not the, the best goal to have. I would say our goal is, to help a lot of people. We want to help the residents in the communities. I, as a real estate agent for the past nine years, I've sold a lot of apartment complexes where the owners were slumlords. They loved saving every penny they possibly could. They would never respond to the tenants. Tenants would have mold or mice, rats, cockroaches. They didn't care. They just wanted to, to bleed that property dry for every nickel and dime they could. And, and I just, I've grown to really despise those type of investors absolutely don't want anything to do with them. And, and I've seen the benefit of a, of a pro, a good owner that, you know, someone who buys a property rehabs, it actually cares about the people inside. And, and that's actually really exciting to myself and my partners. And I'm sure to you guys as well to provide quality housing where a lot of renters are used to slumlords. 
yeah, so yeah, obviously we care about our communities as well. I mean, it is, it's, it's a great benefit to the business, just like you're talking about to be able to help, you know, this many people, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, hundred unit complex, so there's a hundred families potentially there that you're able to, you know, help in some way, you know, or, and there's other, other things you can do, you know, outside of that, but of course to help those families, but yeah, I mean, just providing them a great place to live that's safe and, you know, where they can find some security, you know, and just raise their kids is, there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. You know, usually every Thanksgiving time we pick a family to kind of buy Thanksgiving dinner for someone that's struggling. And, and I'm excited to do that as part of our, you know, when we're owning these apartments and, and excited to do that for our tenants every year and provide something for them that's a little bit nicer, you know, because again, money isn't, isn't everything. It sure helps though, when you're making good money and you can help others and give of yourself and your own time. And it sounds like you and your wife, but that's one of your big goals is to help others and give back and help more people adopt, which I think is huge. You have to have something more than just money driving you. Yes, I agree completely. If it, and, and, it's, and it's hard to get other people on board with you as well. You know, even investors, you know, would much rather invest with somebody that like has a vision outside of just growing their own wallet. Mm -hmm. you know, so that, you know, they get to play a role in helping these families adopt children. And, you know, and so there's, you know, there's investors that like that, that we're doing something bigger than just, like I said, trying to buy a bigger house for ourselves or whatever, you know, financially. Yep. That's huge. That's so cool. That's really neat. Well, Whitney, I'm, I'm curious, do you have any advice or, you know, the name of this podcast is uh, recession proof real estate investing. So you and I really started paying attention to the market when we started buying in 2009, 10, we took advantage of the recession. Do you have any examples or advice of maybe people that are not doing that or that are going to be in trouble the next time the recession hits? Mm. You know, people who are, uh, there's a few things, but buying for appreciation instead of cash flow, you know, I feel like mm -hmm. that's pretty risky, you know, or people who uh, don't get correct financing, you know, or that don't have long-term debt, you know, and some things like that in place, you know, because when you're, when you're forced to sell or when the bank forces you to sell, I mean, that's when you're in trouble, right? Yep. You know, yep. and so you need some long-term debt, you know, and even, you know, another thing we do, we do is, is, you know, having a reserve budget. Like, do you have a re enough reserve budget to, you know, to float the property or to still pay investor returns, you know, even if, you know, let's say, you know, I don't know, it's 20% vacant, you've had to lower the rents, like, have you done some stress testing to see, you know, what happens, what, ha let's say, what happened with this property during the last recession, what were the vacancy, and if that happened today, and we had to lower the rents $100, you're like, what would happen to us, you know, right. could we, right. can we still keep this thing, you know, or are we going to be forced to sell? And, and that's what we don't want to happen. So having that reserve budget to be able to weather that storm, because there's going to be, you know, as you know, there's in every deal, there's something that like you didn't, like you couldn't have even known to account for. Right. Right. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. you know, no matter how good you get at this business, you learn something every deal and there's going to be something that you, that, that comes up and, and we want to be prepared. Even if we think we've accounted for everything, we understand that we're not perfect and there's going to be something. So we're going to have that reserve budget that's going to say, okay, even in the downturn, you know, if, you know, when there, when it happens, if we, if this happens to the property and the bowler goes out, we can still fix it. Yep. You know, 
And so, and, and so hopefully, you know, we can weather that storm, you know, to get to the other side. And so, you know, people who are, don't have just, or there's three things that, you know, don't have a few of those things in place or, you know, are very aggressive or, you know, in their underwriting or, you know, have, you know, really short-term debt. It's just risky. No, that's, that's huge. And I really appreciate that. And, you know, when I got out of building fourplexes with that company last year, I was looking at the numbers, looking at research. And I said, you know, what asset class can I sell as a broker that is less risky and better? And, and so that's the beautiful thing about the economies of scale of large multifamilies. You can have a contingency plan so much, you know, put together so much better for a large apartment complex, then you can a whole bunch of homes or a bunch of townhomes or fourplexes spread out all over the valley. And, and so that's actually why I got into syndication and large multifamily is it is so much less risky during the downturn. If you look at the 2007, 8, 9, 10 era, uh, multifamily didn't do too bad. You know, there's people getting loans and doing stuff they shouldn't and buying for appreciation. So I'm glad you said that as well. But, but yeah, I mean, stuff happens. The, the Dallas deal, we just helped Rod raise money for. A windstorm came along and, and destroyed all the roofs and AC units. It was a million dollars worth of damage. And, and they were able to start immediately on getting it fixed because they had a contingency plan. Of course, uh, plan. Of course uh, insurance helped pay for it. But you know, then Rod's other deal had a tornado. And, and I know uh, Ben and Ferris, their deal had a serious, serious flood. And and they all had contingency plans. And then, you know, we're, we're dealing with one in Shreveport right now where it's absolutely falling apart. The guy has no money. His, he got the wrong loan on it. So he, he bought it where it didn't really cash flow, but he put an interest only loan on it or a loan with five years of interest only. And he's at year five. And guess what? He all of a sudden can't pay the mortgage because now he's, he's got a, a larger mortgage payment because the interest only only's run out and he's in trouble. So I appreciate you said all that. Any, you know, I'm curious, our listeners are, gonna, are all over the country. Where are you looking for deals? And if they find a, a big multifamily deal that they don't know how to take down, or maybe they just want to pass on to you, where are you looking and, and what are you looking for? So personally, we would prefer 150 units or more. We'll look at anything 100 or more units and uh, class B and C, you know, but obviously like, like most in the industry, there has to be some type of way we can add value. You know, we'll mm -hmm. look at even some heavy lists, you know, some that are in a little worse uh, condition, you know, than maybe most would look at, we'll consider, but, but would prefer, you know, you know, properties that have been self-managed or, you know, that are just under market rents or, you know, uh, maybe they've had them for 15 years or, you know, there's numerous things like that. They can say, okay, there may be some value to be had here. Personally, we're looking in, or we're active in Colorado Springs right now. I mean, I'll be there next weekend and, you know, touring more, more properties and, and, but, you know, we, we like some of those uh, Midwestern markets, you know, like you're in uh, mm -hmm. as well, you know, of course I'm on the East coast, but, but, you know, uh, I mean, it's some good markets out there and in the Southeast, there's numerous markets where we would consider deals, but we're very focused there right now. And we just, we just think there's value in focusing, you know, and, and, and mm -hmm. in being in, and, you know, just heavy in that market right now, there's a couple other markets we're going to that we're considering and numerous, but uh, we're just, we're analyzing numerous markets right now just to figure out, okay, where, where's our time best spent and, right. and pause, you know, I'm not just open to, any market, you know, in the U S and, and, mm -hmm. you know, or don't just, I'm not just going to say, just send me a property and I'll look at it. Well, I'm not going to understand the market at all. If you send right. me something in Columbus, Ohio, like I'm not going to have a clue. Like I wouldn't have any idea. 
you know, about that market yep. or, where, you know, and so, I, you know, I'm not going to really be open to that. However, you know, some of the Midwest, obviously some of the Southeast, there's numerous markets I would consider that I would know a lot better, but specifically Colorado Springs, you know, is where we're at and anything a hundred plus or more, preferably 150 with some type of problem that we can fix. That's awesome. So Colorado Springs, awesome location, Air Force Academy's up there and 100, 150 units at least you'd love more. And and that's the big thing is there has to be upside. So I get that question all the time. What are you guys looking for? Well, we're looking for a problem to fix. Just like you said, we love it when people self-manage. That's how the Dallas deal was. They didn't manage it well. And it was an amazing property, 208 doors that had immediate upside. So there has to be some way to raise rents and improve the property. It can't be you know, already at it, operating at its fullest potential. Right. Well, Whitney, I really appreciate your time. I, I'm jumping on a plane to Albuquerque. I'll let you know if I find anything good there. Cool. Going to look at some properties. You know, I, I really like your podcast. I listen to it all the time, by the way. But tell us a little bit about the podcast, what your goal is there. And, and just before we finish up, I want to hear what you're doing, who you're interviewing next, and, and maybe what our listeners can get from the podcast. Yeah. So, you know, it's strictly focused on the syndication business. So it's called the real estate syndication show. It's a daily show and we're interviewing, you know, uh, I mean, all the experts in this industry or anybody that can provide value to a syndicator, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've had different people that are experts in marketing, you know, maybe their specialty is websites, you know, they're not, they're not in real estate at all, but if you're in the syndication business, you better have a website, (laughs) you know, and you need it and what needs to be on that website, you know, or how it needs to be. So there's, there's lots of people I've had on that are, you know, that are big name operators, you know, that everybody that's listening would know, you know, to, you know, people that, that are on the back end, you know, that are the asset managers that are, you know, helping find the deals that are, you know, experts in underwriting and all those things that, you know, we got to have somebody that knows all those things, whether it's me or not, you know, I've got to have somebody on my team that understands how to do all these things. And that's who we're having on the show. Um, And so that's, that's what you're going to hear. That's what, you know, it's about 30 minutes long every day. Awesome. And I've listened to it. It's provided massive value for me. And, and I appreciate that, that you're doing such a great job there. How can our listeners get a hold of you? And, and uh, yeah, you prefer email? Are you on, on Facebook? Where are you at? Yeah, all the, all the above. You can go to lifebridgecapital.com. You can email me, Whitney, at lifebridgecapital.com. You can call or text 540-585-4338. That's my personal cell phone, by the way. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Awesome, man. I really appreciate you being on here. Any last words that you'd like to add to the podcast? You know, I appreciate like what you said earlier uh, too, just about like making it happen. Even if that first deal is a a single family or duplex, like, like, let's go, you know, like go educate yourself, find a mentor, um, network, you know, is, with as many people as you possibly can in the industry, you know, listening to podcasts, all those things, but let's get out and make it happen. Take action, right? Don't be a lifetime learner. Actually take action. That's right. Awesome. I love it, man. 